0: It's kind of crazy when you think about it that we're celebrating the birth of a baby boy who was born some 2,000 years ago. Imagine that amazing time. What would it have been like when God the Son left the glories and the majesty of heaven? He took on human flesh like, like we have. Imagine, as he came out of his mom, he was crying, he was hungry, He would go on in a few weeks and begin to smile and a little later to giggle, just like we all did and just like our kids have done. Well, what difference does it make today that this baby was born so, so many years ago? If truth be known, there are many here today who aren't feeling a lot of Christmas cheer but rather are feeling the weight of the world. Maybe you're overwhelmed with the responsibilities of life. You've got this to do and that to do and that to take care of, and you're waiting to see how this goes or, or that goes or, or this bill is due or that bill is due. Others of you have weathered a long period of being down, of being discouraged, of losing heart. And still others live... With a sense of fear, always worried about this or that. Could that happen? Or if this happened, then that might happen, and then this could happen. And you live in fear and, and worry and still others regret. Um, is this the way that we were meant to live? It's not. Because that baby came so many years ago, God's intent is that we're set free from the burdens and the weights of life, not that we don't have to face them but that we don't have to face them alone. Let's look together at Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to find hope in a weary world, in a difficult world. Beginning of verse 14, uh, the writer of Hebrews at this point has been talking about how Jesus came to rescue. And, And so we pick up in 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. who are being tempted. In these verses, we see that Jesus took on human flesh so that we might be rescued. He took on human flesh so that that we might be rescued. In verse 14 here, we we see that. He he partook human flesh. And then in verse 17, that he was made like us in every respect. That is to say that God the Son came and took on human nature. It, It was something that had never happened before. This means that as we walk and face the trials and difficulties of humanity, he did too. And the everyday life of humanity, it was real for him. He got dirt under his fingernails. He had an annoying, runny nose at times that, that, that drive us all crazy. Probably had maybe a bad hair day or two, right? Um, He had human emotions like we do. He faced the same kinds of difficulties and trials that we do. You see, he became one of us to come and rescue us. He became one of us to come and to rescue us. And we see that that it was through his death that that he did rescue us. Now, this is sort of crazy to think about, that, that somehow through death, Jesus would rescue. But that's exactly what he did. He took Satan's own weapon... And he used it against him. Now, how can the author of Hebrews say that the devil has the power of death? Well, I want you to remember the Garden of Eden. Remember that God created a world that was perfect and beautiful. And it was right. There was no death. There was no suffering. It was a great and beautiful place. But he said to Adam and Eve, that tree right there, don't eat of that tree. Well, along came Satan slithering up to Eve. And he said to her, look at that. Doesn't it look good? You ought to try it. I'll tell you the truth. God is holding out on you. He's holding out on you. Just try it and you'll see. And it wasn't long. Adam and Eve, much like we do, had reached out and they'd taken a taste. But it wasn't all that Satan had held it out to be, was it? No, at that moment, the judgment of God came crashing down. And death came into the world, and sin and and suffering are a part of life now. And Satan can be said to have the power of death in this. He instigates us to sin, much like he did Adam and Eve. And when we sin, it brings death and pain and heartache. And so it is through death, it's through Jesus' death, that Satan would be put down and that death would lose its power. What does this mean that death would lose its power? Well, because Jesus died, because he came and lived a perfect life here on earth, and because he went to the cross and died a gruesome death and ultimately was buried and he was raised to life. It means that in Christ we no longer have to fear death. Death death is done. You could say that because of what Jesus has done, we know the death of death. Imagine that you're walking along in a in a cemetery and you're looking at the tombstones and when people were born and when they died and the names that are on the stone. And imagine you came across a stone and etched there where the name goes is the word death. Death. Death is dead. That's exactly what the writer or the author of Hebrews is saying to us. Death is dead. It's, it's done. Now, we know that death is still a part of life, but if we're in Christ, we understand that death is not the end of the story In fact, it's the beginning of an incredible and wonderful life, a life of of being with God where things are right and good. Now, this morning, if there was a rattlesnake loose in the sanctuary, many of you would be jumping over pews. There would be a few people who were trying to get a hold of it or something, but most of you would be trying to get out of here. But if the rattlesnake had its fangs removed and its venom glands removed, To look at it might be kind of scary, and to hear the sound of those rattles might be kind of scary. But in essence, that snake couldn't do anything to us. And in Christ, that's what death is like. Sure, it's a little scary to think about, but in the end, death cannot kill us. Death is merely a way that we enter into the presence of God. It's a rattlesnake without venom. Maybe scary. But it should not be in Christ because it's the entrance into life. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Why? Because those who are in Christ, we don't have to fa- fear death any longer. We, we don't have to be scared of death. Now, we see in verse 16 that Jesus came to help the offspring of Abraham. What does that mean? He came to help the Israelites and also those who would, who would believe. He came to help people. That's what he came to do. He came to help us, to to walk alongside us. What incredible love. What amazing love that that, that God displayed in the offering of his son. In verse 17, we see that Jesus came to be a merciful high priest and a faithful high priest. When, When we talk about Jesus coming to show mercy, what does that mean? That means that his desire is to help us. It's to walk alongside us. It's not, to, it's not to hurt us or to squash us, but it's, it's to show us mercy, to show us kindness and, and His love and His goodness. That, that's, that's the reason Jesus came. In the Old Testament, the priests were those who made an intercession for the people or who stood uh, in the place of people before God. In other words, in the Old Testament, people would bring offerings, and these priests would offer up these offerings that people's sins might be forgiven. And so they stood between God and man as a mediator. But here we see that Jesus is the high priest. He's the one who who stands in our place. And he makes it possible for people who are sinful, like you and me, to be in a relationship with a God who is just, with a God who is holy, And we see that that he offers or that he makes propitiation for our sins. Now, that's not a word most of us use every day. What does it mean to make propitiation for our sins? It means this, that he took the punishment of God upon himself that we deserve. So every one of us is guilty. Think of all the things, the, the careless and mean words that you've said. Think of all the lies that you've told. The arrogant attitudes that you've had. And we could just go on and on and on. Every one of us is guilty as charged. Every one of those is an offense against a God who's holy and just. Every one of those separates us from God. And what did Jesus do? He came to say, I'll take the punishment for their sin. I'll take it. I'll stand in their place. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And in so doing, he conquered, he conquered death itself. Now, some of you say, well, wait a minute, why is God, well, why does he have to punish sin? That seems like he's kind of a cranky, a cranky God. Uh, when, when you read a lot of the, the, the new atheists today, they'll sort of make a lot of this and say, oh, this, this God who's so gripey and so difficult and contentious, well, why does he have to punish sin? Why does he have to punish wrongdoing? Well, let me ask you this, suppose someone went to your house and they burned your house down no one was in the house no one in your family was harmed your house gone everything you owned gone not only that they they set your truck on fire and they burned your truck up they burned your wife's car and again no one was harmed you just lost your house your truck your car and suppose one of your friends said to you why are you so cranky about this why don't you just let it go why why are you so difficult why do you want him to go to jail come on be nice do you understand that you and i would demand justice and for god to maintain his holy character he has to demand justice but this is what's so amazing about god his love is so great that his character requires that he demand justice to receive us who are sinners but then he sends his own son to make a way for us not to face the justice of God, but for His own Son to face God's anger towards sin and His hatred towards sin. In fact, Romans 5.8 says it like this, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we see in verse 18 that Jesus himself suffered as he went to the cross and he fulfilled the calling of God in his life. He was tempted to bail. He was tempted to walk away from God's plan, but he did not do it. He endured the temptations of life and he suffered faithfully to the very end. To the very end. So what does all of this mean in our lives? Well, first, it means this. God will rescue us from death. He'll rescue us from death. We can live truly with no fear. We we don't have to fear death. Suppose you want to get to London, England. Well, there's not a chance you're going to get to London, England on your feet. There's not a chance you're going to get to London, England swimming. You may be the world's best swimmer, but you can't swim from here to London, England. It can't happen. If you're going to get to London, England from here, you're going to have to have some kind of mode of transportation, be it a ship or a plane or, or something like that. Now, some of you have believed that you're pretty good. And you've believed. Most of us have a tendency to think that. And you've had a the idea that one day when you die and you stand before God, you're going to say to him, look, I did this, I helped this person out, and I helped that person out, and, and you know, I, I didn't cheat too many people. I, I wasn't that bad of a fella." And you're imagining that God's going to say, you're right, come in. Come in, it's good. But I want you to understand that a God who is just and holy can't ignore your sin. He he can't ignore your sin. Now, please understand this. If you think that you're going to stand before God on your own merit, on your own goodness, and you're going to get into heaven, that's like trying to get to London from here on foot. It will never happen. It will never happen. There's not one of us who's good enough to stand before a God who's just. There's only one way to get from here to London, England, and that's some mode of transportation. And there's only one way that we're gonna stand before a God who's holy and be rescued, and that's through the Lord Jesus. You see, we must come to the place in our lives where we say to God, I know that I've gone my own way. I've done things my way, and God, I stand before you guilty, but I believe you sent your son to come and to stand in my place and to take the penalty for my sin upon himself, and I believe he lived and died and that he came back to life and rose again, and I wanna follow him. And the Bible says that if you call out to God, Romans ten thirteen, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call out to God in that manner, that's your, that's your ticket. You can, you can get from here to London, England, if you've got a plane ticket, if you've got a ride on a ship, and I want you to know if you call out to Jesus and you turn from your sin and repentance, the Bible says that you're going to have eternal life, that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, and then there's no need to fear death because what does death become? It's just a portal. It's just an entryway into the, the presence of God. It's the place where everyone lived happily ever after really does come true. What does this mean in our lives? Well, it also means that God shows us mercy and kindness. Have you dropped the ball Maybe you live with a deep regret for some decisions that you made in the past. And over and over, you play it through in your mind. If I could just go back, if I, could, if I could just change this. If I could turn back time, I would do this differently, and it would mean this, and then that would happen. And Maybe you're always tormenting yourself. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God means to show you mercy. He doesn't want you to live there. He, he wants to rescue you from that. Maybe the holidays are a time of real struggle for you. It reminds you of everything you don't have, like a big gift that you open up, and as you lift the lid out, you see it's empty. Maybe that's how the holidays feel to you. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that God cares for you, that He's a God of mercy, that He wants to walk alongside you, that He he wants you to know that you're never alone. He He wants to... Help you through the difficult and hard times. Maybe, maybe your health is is poor. And it just seems like you're always facing this ache or this pain, this disappointment. Maybe your years, you're leading in years and in your latter years, and you don't hear from loved ones like you had hoped you would. And you just you just lose heart. I want to say to you, God cares for you. Even through those difficult, dark days, He loves you. He wants to help you. So draw close to Him. He can sustain you. Like a plant needs the sun, you need to draw close to to, to Jesus. He'll be with you. He'll he'll help you through all of that. We love to watch movies and and read books, especially uh, books where there's a lot of fantasy or, or fiction and and movies where dreams really do come true? Aren't those fun movies to watch or stories where we can escape time somehow or, or escape death? Maybe some of the stories that have been most spectacular are stories where humans meet up with people who are, who are way beyond themselves, these, these super beings, or stories where we find Perfect love that never ends, where where good really does ultimately triumph over evil. But that only happens in movies, right? In the stories, right? Well, I want to say to you, it happens in real life too. It happens in real life too. It hasn't happened fully yet, but brothers and sisters, it will happen. It will happen, all because that baby boy came and lived a perfect life and died and was raised to life. Our greatest needs, our deepest desires can be met in Him. And one day, at the end of time, all evil will be gone and everything will be set right. And those infamous words, happily ever after, really will be true. They won't just be lines in a storybook. They'll be real. We'll know the great joy of perfect fellowship with God, of no more brokenness or sin. So what does Jesus mean today? He means rescue. He means the death of death. He means hope. He means life. He comes to rescue you. He took on flesh and blood for our rescue. So I plead with you, brothers and sisters, those of you who know Jesus, Draw close to Him. Seek Him. Don't settle for a life of distraction and distance from Him. No, seek Him. Look at how amazing He is. Recognize how He loves you and wants to walk alongside you and draw close. Let Him rescue you from the burdens and even the humdrum of life. And if you're here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus. Friends, I want to I want to say a word to you. I want to plead with you to call out to Him and be saved. Imagine being out in the ocean, drowning, and the, the Coast Guard coming by and saying, Sir, can I help you? And you saying, No, I'm good. I'm good. I got this. That would be ridiculous and foolish. And yet some of you are doing that spiritually. I plead with you today. Will you turn in faith to the Lord Jesus? (laughs) He will rescue you now and for all eternity. Join me in prayer.